Hey, episode one, Wolf Untamed, we got Scott Parker in the house, man. Legendary avalanche enforcer. Great to have you, brother. Outdoorsman, you got a lot of cool stuff going on right now, so let's talk about some of that. Like, what do you got going on now? Oh, for, first of all, thanks for having me on, brother. For of course. First of many, and uh, yeah, we're excited you guys are getting this off the ground, so... Um, yeah, basically, what was the question again? What do you got going on now? Like, what are you doing now, post-retirement? You know, you've been retired for a while now, but, you know, last time we got to talk was 2015, so. True, yeah. So what do you got been, going on? What have, what has been going on in your life in between uh, then? Recently, just my family and I, DJ, Cheska, and I uh, started a new company, Taboo Social Club, and it's a hemp company, uh, CBD. It's kind of a lifestyle brand. This is the kind of way we're, 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 we're trying to go. So really just, you know, you feel good, you do good, you do better, and, um Hopefully it rubs off on people. So just doing taboo these days and still have our, our, our nonprofit, uh, Parker's Platoon. You know, we help veterans transition and just show them a good time, go snowmobiling, go hiking, go fishing, and just show them everything they worked so hard for. So Give them know. some purpose, something to look forward to, right? Yeah, well, just do, doing that as well as just, you know, really getting to enjoy everything they fought so hard for because when they get home, a lot of them just get stuck into going to the VA or or just getting stuck in their house and not having a lot of um, outdoor experience because, you know, the city and the life, you know, has changed a lot yeah. uh, in the urban areas down here. So to get them out in the woods and just getting them reconnected and, you know, it's amazing to see them in the now than where they were five years ago and, you know, just being able to, you know, maybe not put it behind them, but, you know, kind of move on a bit too. So, just kind of move forward, right? Exactly. Put tools in their toolboxes to be successful in the world after they're done in the military world. Yeah, so, man, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Let's talk more about Taboo. Heck yeah, bro. Because this is badass. Uh-huh. You brought me this awesome Pelican case <laughs> with all the sweet gear in it, man. I yeah, really appreciate brother. that. Oh, it's, it's noisy, eh? No, it's no. all right. No, but yeah, it's just... It, you know, good products that uh, we've been at it for many years now, trying to get the right ingredients, the right people, building the right team. And I think we found it. So that's why we're releasing this uh, in, in 2023 here and really just trying to get it in front of people so they feel better. And we're mixing a lot of herbs with our CBD or CBDA or CBG. So we have a lot of different cannabinoids. We have a lot of different herbs that can help out. And uh, uh, with our, our girl, Lauren, she's the herbalist. So we have you know, a good team built to where we can stay in house and we can really build this, this company. Um, you know, where are you guys putting it all together at? Where's like the, you have a warehouse somewhere here in Denver? Well, we're based in Colorado. Up, yeah. Based up in Grand Lake. But okay. We have three different farms we deal with in Colorado here. So just trying to help the mom and pop uh, farms and, and doing stuff like that and just kind of staying, staying small, but genuine basically. Yeah. And just and growing little by little. Um, and really just trying to get the products in front of people. So, you know, they can feel better. So. And this probably works really well, like integrating into your, into your charity, right? Definitely. Your nonprofit. It probably works really well with the vets. Well, having the tinctures we have and just, you know, get having the anti-inflammatories because basically everything we put in our bodies these days inflames us and just kind of feeling like crap. So if we yeah. can feel better, you do better, you do more and you just feel more fulfilled. So looking at things like that compared to, you know, COVID time didn't really help because everybody kind of got a little complacent and, Oh, I won't do that today. But just being more active and getting outdoors and yeah. just, you know, grounding yourself, you know, just being with mother nature and, and doing good things. You know? I love that you said that about grounding yourself because that's what, that's why I love being out there so much. And like just being in the, in the back country out there where you feel small. Well, that, and like, it's just amazing how 
like your senses kick in, like mm-hmm. your hearing and your senses and like your smell and everything else. And like, you're almost like a wild animal where when you get into that, that scenario where, you know, you have to be switched on because you may have a cat, you know, 12 feet up in a tree. And if you're not aware, it may jump on your back. Like yeah. there's certain things out there. I mean, you're, you're not the, the, the total apex predator in that scenario because, you know, bears and mountain lions and everything else. I mean, it could be a fight. They're so, predators, man. Exactly. They are predators. Yeah, and especially if they're protecting young or a kill or something like that, you know, they can be territorial as well, and you may not know that, and, you know, shit breaks bad, and you're like, uh-oh, but if you're more aware and you're making noise and you know your surroundings, you're a lot better off than just, you know, doodling through the woods and being like, <laughs> hey, this is fun, and, yeah, we'll see you next lifetime. Yeah, it's like where, where I killed that mountain lion, you know, it was right there in the, there, a lot of a lot of public land, a lot of hiking trails in that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just go down the road a little bit for like a quarter mile and there's just hiking trails all through there. Yeah. And that's nothing for a, a mountain line to travel a quarter. I mean, they'll travel 10, 15 miles. Like it's nothing. Oh yeah. So, so for me, if there's a 200 pound lion run, walking around, I mean, once he gets a little old and it's harder to catch those deer and it's harder to, you know, they start coming for dogs. They start coming for, you know, small children. They start coming for people. And honestly, after holding that line, I was like, this thing could have killed me, no problem. Yeah. It, it could have taken me out, no problem, drugged me up a tree. Mm-hmm. Because it was had a 300-pound mule deer half-eaten under a tree already that it had drug over a fence. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're very powerful. And, yeah, they're, they're not really something you really see in the wild either. You know, the few to- or many times my dad and I have been out hunting, and we've seen them maybe a handful of times. And yeah. Half the time you just see their tail or you just go and find their tracks because they're just – they're sneaky. Yeah. yeah, they're not trying to go up and high five you. No, you know, they don't very... want to be seen, man. No, and no. that's like you know, I was just doing a, I just did a backcountry hunt in Montana for um, black bear just last week, and I glassed for probably twelve hours a day for five days. Never saw, didn't see a single wolf, which I know there's wolves there, and didn't yeah. see a single mountain lion. Wow. And you know they're there. Oh I mean, yeah. It was prime mountain lion country. I mean, yeah. we saw. It was crazy because we saw mountain goats, which is like rare to see up there. Mm-hmm. I guess we saw bighorn which is hard to see. And, um, you know, we saw a bunch of bears on the one day, but you know, for the most part, once everything gets green in that timber, they're not coming out. Yeah. So they just stay in that timber. You don't see many open. Oh yeah. So for me, you know, you could just be walking through the woods and next thing you know, it happens all the time. Guys, on they take guys off of bikes. Oh yeah. Mountain bikers. Yep. So I just, I, when you're talking about like the, that primal in, instincts that kind of kick in when you're out there, I feel it all the time when I'm out there. Like mm-hmm. the hair on the back of my neck when I'm walking will stand up and I'm like, something's here. Yep. Like something's around me that like, it's like this, uh, I don't know. It's a, it, I would guess it's like an instinct that you have that mm-hmm. we just kind of, a lot of people have lost it, I think, because they don't do it. They don't get out there enough. So they just go out there and willy nilly walk around. Yeah. And next thing you know, they're getting attacked because they weren't like aware of what's going on. True. Cause yeah. most of the time, if you just make yourself your presence known and that you're like aware that there's something there, mm-hmm. they'll back off. Yeah. Like a lot of times you just turn around, even they'll be like, Oh, he knows I'm here. Like exactly. Cause they want to sneak attack you. Mm-hmm. Like that's how they want to get you. Well then, or they don't know what you are. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe they're a, a juvenile and they've never seen a human before and they're just curious. And yeah. you know, it's a lot of those things that happen. I mean, my dad's told me many stories where he just falls asleep on a hillside cause he's glassing, but the sun comes out and he's, it's warm. So he nods off and before he knows it, he hears something rustling behind him. So he slowly turns around and you know, there's a big muley deer just like, you know, what are you? You know, <laughs> yeah. They're trying to figure out what you are, let alone you getting woken from a, a sleep and you're like, holy cow, there's a, you know, 300 pound deer behind me. Like, okay. 
But well, it's you know. funny how those mule deer are so curious, right? Oh yeah. Because because um, I grew up with whitetail in Ohio, mm-hmm. and if they saw a human, they were like out of there. Yeah. Right. But these mule deer, they'll check you out for a minute. They're like, "What is that?" You know. Exactly. They're Especially very... way when you get way back there because they don't see humans. Exactly. They're just like, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they they'll let you walk pretty close. You know, they'll let you get kind of close to them before they take off. Oh yeah. But um, you know, that's why I love hunting them because you can actually spot stalk those things. And um, I do archery hunt at all. I did a little bit. Uh, my dad does majority of that stuff up in Montana. That's where they live now. My mom and pa up there, but uh, never really got into it too too much. Mainly just rifle, you know, two forty three, uh, thirty out six, and a three hundred short short mag. Uh, those were kind of our guns of choice. And, yeah. But the thing is, most of the animals we took were within twenty to forty yards. You know, we right. don't we don't do long shoots. We don't shoot six, you know, hundred yards, a thousand yards, and it's just kind of hard to think that that's sport because it's, you know, I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me, yeah. you know, that, that kind of distance, you know, if you want it to be sport, then, you know, hike that extra four miles, go figure out what it is or if it's big enough or if you actually hit the animal. Cause yeah. half the time they shoot and they're like, Oh, you missed them. But you just never know. Cause the animals just act a certain way. I mean, they're so far away. You just never know if the bullet went through and through and then they're just kind of, you know, meandering on and then they can just go and die. So, and then you didn't even know, you don't it, see it. Exactly. And now it's a waste. Yeah, but I mean, half the time we're just trudging through the woods, and like we were talking earlier, we call it pickup sticks. You know, you get the microburst going through there, and it blows a whole you know forest down, and basically yeah. you're just trudging through this stuff, trying to that you blow know, down, yeah, yeah, trying to go through these. You know, it's like pole vaulting through this stuff, and it's like <laughs> holy cow, you know, either a chainsaw, but you want to be quiet, but you know, it's you know that's half the fun is just picking your picking your lines and just you know reading the land and you know, seeing what's around. And that's yeah. why we like, you know, obviously hunting with snow, you can see a lot more stuff easier, but you know, we, we, we like that old school tracking and just, you know, seeing what's around and everything down to the squirrels and chipmunks that run around and, and give your position away too. So, right. Yeah. You know. It's, it's really cool. You know, I talked about this a lot. Um, I talked about it with the Colorado Bow Hunter Association, how as hunters, you know, I think we get caught up in too much of like, Oh, you hunt with a rifle. I hunt with a bow. I'm better than you. Or I hunt with a traditional bow and you hunt with a compound bow. Well, I'm better than you. Yeah. Or, oh, you used hounds and I, I didn't. I'm better. It's like, dude, at the end of the day, we there's one entity trying to take us all down. Right? There's a whole, I mean, they have so much money on that side trying to take all hunting down. They're trying to get rid of it all. That's why they're reintroducing wolves. And that's why they're making it hard to get tags. That's why they're doing, they're doing all this stuff to make it difficult for us to do what we love. Yeah. Um, when in reality, if we just stick together, it's, it's kind of like an elk herd. If the elk herd stays together, it's harder for the wolves to pick them out. But when they start, when they, when the wolves come in there and separate them, then they could pick the weak out, mm-hmm. you know, pick the weak ones out and they start killing them off. So that's why as hunters, we have to stay together, man. Like we have got to come together and keep it one, keep it united. Right. Cause we're all doing, we're all conservationists at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like we all love to be out there. We all love to hunt. You know, and that's why, like you just said, man, part of the fun is just being out there. Mm-hmm. Like I just did that. I just went five days, you know, grinder and didn't get a bear, mm-hmm. but I had an awesome time sleeping in a wall tent, you know, waking up in the morning, eating some breakfast over the fire and then hitting the trail like that. To me, that's like everything, you know, getting up on top of the mountain, starting a little fire and glassing for a few hours, take a little nap. Like that's just, that's, that's what it's all about. And it's about the camaraderie that's in that hunting camp too, you know, with the guys you're around and. Um, I just really think that guys need to put aside their ego and stop worrying about how, how they do it and start worrying about like 
how we keep this because we'll lose it if we don't stay together. Well, that's the thing in, in teaching the next generation to responsibly, you know, be a, a good conservationist to the to the to the woods and to the outdoors in general. Because you know, little by little, stuff's getting taken away, and you, you just never know what's going to happen in the future. But you have to be good stewards of the land, and you have to take care of it because who else is going to do it unless we do? And like you said, you know, hunting and a lot of the money that goes into it really goes back into the conservation side and making sure herds don't get too big and just make, you know, cause that's where you get a lot of disease too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to keep the herds down and, and just doing the, the proper thing the right way, you know, you can really, you know, live cohesively. But, yeah. And you know, the North, the North American model is the, is the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, that's why our animals here thrive. Mm-hmm. They thrive in every, every area that we have good conservation, um, for an example of bad conservation would be like California. Yeah. Their deer population has just like, because they don't kill any mountain lions. Yep. So what do you, th- and those mountain lions will eat like a deer or elk, one, like one or two a week. Exactly. So well, what do you think is going to happen to the population? You know, look at what happened in Yellowstone. They reintroduced the wolf. Mm-hmm. I think that herd went from, um, I don't know, Lane, can you pull those numbers up? I think it went from like 33,000 to 3,000. Wow. Uh, it was roughly 18,000 down to 5,000 in the first 10 years, and that was down to 3,000 last time I checked. Mm. But, I mean, that is decimated. Yeah. Decimated. Mm-hmm. And I know it was all it, it was all supposed to be for the habitat because of the grasslands that they were grazing, this and that. And But to me, it's like, why don't you just give out more tags? And then let let hunters do it, and then you can then you can really control it and do it safely. Yeah. Then you know exactly how many are being killed, which because the, the hunter, a responsible hunter, will check in his kill. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just I don't know, man. I just think this whole wolf thing is really silly, yeah. and I think it's going to do a lot of more harm than it is good. Um, because and they're like, well, we're going to let you hunt them. Well, do you know how hard it is to hunt a coyote, let alone a wolf? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's impossible to kill a wolf. It's, I mean, it's so difficult to kill a wolf. So you know. You're, and they're going to have a bunch of pups every year, so it's just they just keep growing. And I don't know, man. You're just asking for a, a nightmare, if yeah. you ask me. But um, yeah, let's tra- let's transition out of that and let's talk about um, let's talk about let's pull up some highlights. Perfect. Let's pull up some Scott Parker. So all the goal, all the goals highlights. I scored. <laughs> I sc- I tell everybody I scored all my goals in practice, so I didn't have any luck for the games. Oh, Proby. Yeah, yeah. This is my third NHL fight. Uh, that's that guy. Don't want to. He doesn't even want to fight. Oh, Proby. He he was a, <laughs> he is a killer. I mean, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. He passed. Uh, I think back in 2010. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So, you know, he was my third NHL fight, and he was you know a, a big role model, ooh, role model ooh, for me. And ooh. yeah, that's Proby. He knew he knew what to do. But the thing is, I learned so much from that fight. You know, and I didn't let go here because he knocked me silly. So. I put him in a death grip and yep. still trying to hit him. Look oh at yeah, him. yeah. I'm not done yet. I'm like, damn it, Proby. What are the refs? What are the refs saying to you? Like right there? What do they say? Oh, they're just losing it. You know, they're trying to break my grip and everything. Look at him. He's like, ah. yeah. This is back when they had one referee too. So it's kind of amazing these days. They have multiple refs and linesmen and stuff. Still kind of goes by the wayside. But oh, is this, mm. is this big Chara? Yeah, Zeno. Great guy. Yeah, he was the biggest player to ever play in the NHL. I think he was 6'9 without skates. Yeah. This He's guy. big. Oh, large, large human. Well, because you're a big-ass dude. Yeah. I, you know, you're big until you're with somebody like that. I was like, you should be playing basketball. But, yeah, as you know, we, we actually we – were. 
We fought yeah. multiple times in juniors when we were 16, 17, 18. I mean, we go way back. But, you know, Zeno, he was actually the, the captain of the Bruins when, when they won the cup out there. And, you know, he had a great career. So 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 what um what like what sparked your interest in hockey like how did that happen because i know how football happened for me so i've been always interested in like what sparked it you know well what's crazy is i knew nothing about hockey really and then when i was in third grade i got a sheet at school and it said learn how to play hockey and i didn't want to be the kid in class that didn't know what hockey was so i took it home to my parents and i was like what's hockey and they were like well i've heard of it but let's look into it so that's how it kind of started out and being you know living in alaska nine months out of the year is winter so you need to kind of do a winter sport or you just go crazy. Yeah. And it was hockey for me. So, you know, the whole family got skates and there's rinks everywhere up there. You know, every school has three or four rinks and you got to bring shovels and your own pucks, but outdoor rinks everywhere. And basically just did that and it took off. So, I mean, there's multiple times where I'd skate home too. It wasn't like mystery Alaska, like the movie where it was pristine ice and you're skating and I'm going down these roads that have rocks and everything on them. But it was downhill, so I just skated home. So, and that probably made you a better skater. Well, that right? yeah, it was just you know what you did, and you know my parents weren't happy because I came home and then my blades were all jacked up. But <laughs> yeah, it was just you know you're young and dumb and you don't know any better. So and and you're cold and you just want to get home. So, well, those skates are expensive. Yeah, they can be. You know, it's not a cheap sport. No, you know? I mean it's getting you know even with the sticks. I mean now, I God, I think even the youth sticks are like two or three hundred bucks and you're like what the like oh, that's man, insane as that's a parent like a you're just like, <laughs> you know? you're like oh yeah broke a stick <laughs> yeah. no oh, yep yep yeah you just get that pit in your stomach and you're like oh but you know it, it's really cool to see kids these days and how much they excel and i'm sure it's a lot different than even you and i growing up i mean we played so many sports and you, you may have not been ready for that sport but you go into camp to get ready for that sport mm-hmm. so nowadays like sports science and everything's changed oh, it's, where it's incredible you go into it at the pinnacle and you're at the top of your game or somebody's taking your job and yeah. i mean it's it's cutthroat these days where back in the day nobody really wanted my role as the enforcer so i mean it was like well i guess i'm good and plus <laughs> breaking onto the team i did with all the superstars and you know forsberg and Wah and and bork and i mean all the guys that were on the team, I'm thinking, God, I hope I even get in the lineup tonight. So, yeah. you know, it was just doing that, but then having that role and, and protecting the guys and really hearing from them that when I was on the ice or I was on the bench, I gave them more room on the ice to do the, to do their job. Yeah, because guys knew not to fuck around because they'd find out. Exactly that or just, you know, <laughs> you, you you touch my guy, I touch your guy. Yeah. And then your guy doesn't like you because you got him in, you know, you, you got, got his hurt. ass kicked on exactly. TV. Exactly. So, I mean, there, there's this whole pecking order and this whole thing that works out but you know if you don't have that enforcer role on the bench which you kind of see these days then guys take liberties you know there's no accountability mm-hmm. i mean they kind of cheap it, shots and stuff yeah. like that that well they leave it up to the refs of the league to find a guy or do whatever but i think knowing you may get your head kicked in the next game from somebody on the other team goes a lot further than you know getting a twenty-five thousand dollar fine and being like oh okay you can't do that okay but if you have somebody that wants to rip your head off the next game, you're thinking, like, I'm going to have the flu that game. Yeah. So, like, you're getting in their head. Like, I tell everybody, it's probably 90% mental, 20% physical. So you shut the brain down, the whole body goes. I don't care if you're a Greek god in your, your, in your body. If you yeah. shut the brain down, then that body ain't going nowhere. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I totally get that because I would do that with offensive linemen. 
And then if I did it with with quarterbacks too, like you know, I told Philip Rivers one time I was I was gonna eat his kids. Uh huh. Yeah. You know? Plant the seed. That was you in 2015. Know. I was like, yeah. he called. All he did was he just didn't he didn't cuss. You know, so mm-hmm. he called me. He always was chirping though. Yeah. And he just would hey, that that you know he called me a crybaby. And I was getting held real bad, and I was like screaming at the ref, and he's like, shut up, crybaby. <laughs> And I grabbed him by his neck, and I told him mm-hmm. I was going to eat his kids. Mm-hmm. And he never said another word to me. Yeah, amazing. The rest huh? of, we played each other twice a year for the next five years. Mm-hmm. And he never said another word to me. Yeah, crazy. And then whenever we, I was in Baltimore, and he was in at the Colts, mm-hmm. I tried to, like, I was married with kids at this point, so I'm, like, a, a little bit different, you know? Yeah. And I was just trying to, like, say, you know, hey, it was great competing against you. I know this is going to probably be the last time we ever play against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't. He still wouldn't talk to me. Really? Yeah, I was, like, that. I was in his head that much. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I would do it with the offensive linemen, you know, like, if they tried one little thing, like one little extra thing, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take 15 yards because I'll fight you. Uh-huh. So they knew that, like, you know, they were going to have to fight. Yeah. If, I, if they did that shit, I you'll, was going to fight. You'll raise like, the bar. Yeah, yeah, you have to set, like, set the tone, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, my teammates always appreciated that, they said, because they, it was like it gave it, it kind of set the tone for our defense. Um, especially, you know, we had one of the most memorable defenses, probably, in my opinion, the best defense to ever do it. Um, 2015, that Super Bowl defense. That was a great year. You know, so and you know what it's like to be on a championship team. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you pull up some pull up some Stanley Cup stuff? What's that like? Oh, it was unbelievable. As well as you know, I mean, the big thing too was was double sevens was Ray Bork. You know, he had played 22 seasons, hadn't hadn't had a cup yet, and it was all about Borky that year. It was a long time, and I'm thinking, you know, I was probably two or three years in by then, and I'm thinking. I don't think I'm going to get to 22 years. So luckily it happened three years in for me, but you know, just being on that team and just seeing it all come together. I mean, literally when we first touched the ice that year in that preseason game, we just knew it was on. Like we did not pull our foot off the gas throughout the whole year. I mean, we won so many games. We won the president's trophy, the best team in the league and, you know, just doing all the things and being at the pinnacle and the top and, you know, playing all the rivals and all our divisional games and just, you know, shutting those teams down, which are huge points throughout the year, and it just worked out. And then going into playoffs, we just turned it up that much more. So yeah, as well as you see, like, this year, too, and, you know, unfortunately with Florida, they had nine days off between them and Vegas playing the finals. So they that's a lot of time to, to ponder and to think and to go, oh, I don't know if I want my body to feel this way or that way. I mean – you have to run through that wall until that last game, until that last buzzer goes off. And yeah. that's when you can kind of shut it down. But it, it's amazing having that little bit of time off. And then mentally you're just like, uh-oh. Or like your body starts to ache or start to feel sore. Like you want to get back in there and just get back, you know, get, get doing. Because- and you know, you know, here's the thing why I think that is, is because you're, you get this bruising that happens in your whole body, right? Your whole, any, any kind of contact sport, oh, yeah. even in basketball, you get like this bruising on the outside of your body mm-hmm. and like on your arms. And like, for me, it was always like my forearms and my hands and my shoulders. And I would just like, we would get like a bye week Right. And I was like, man, I feel the, I could, the, the bruising starts to come through now mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm like, Oh shit. You know? And that was like the Super Bowl year. We just wanted to get to the game yeah, because that two weeks that you take mm-hmm. is like, it seems like an eternity. Oh yeah. So I can't even, uh, you guys play so many games. It blows my mind. Yeah. Like, it really does, because I can't imagine playing a football game and then, you know, even when we do, like, a Sunday game and then we have to play it, turn around and go do a, a Thursday game, uh-huh. that is a pain in the ass. Like, it is tough. Quick turnaround. It's yeah. a quick turnaround. Your body's not ready. You haven't had time to, like, really study your opponent because you've, you know, you just don't – you're cutting it three days short, really, yeah. on, on prep time. So, like, Monday, 
you play the game and then Monday becomes like your Wednesday right away, mm-hmm. you know, and Wednesday is usually in a, in the football world, you go Sunday to Sunday, right? So Wednesday, Monday is film Tuesday is like coming or Monday is workout film. Tuesday is your day off. So do like all our recovery. Then Wednesday we're back in full pads practicing yeah. Thursday pads practicing Friday, just helmets and shoulder pads practicing. And then Saturday you're doing walkthroughs and then Sunday you play. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you go Sunday to Thursday, so I can't imagine going, you know, the double headers that you guys, or the, the back-to-backs that you guys play. Oh, and then yeah. you guys got to travel to, I don't know if you guys did it when you were playing, but going to, going to like Finland and stuff like that. Did you guys do that Yeah, stuff? we did that. We, we, are, we were unfortunately in Sweden when the trade centers got hit. So we were there preseason doing, you know, NHL Europe and, and you know, the trade centers got hit. So we flew home right away. We were supposed to do Finland and a couple other places over there. But, you know, that was the only time I was really overseas, you know, with the teams. Yeah. But, um you know, it was just, you know, kind of a tough time. But uh, I know more and more teams are doing it. They're just trying to expand, you know, the 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 broadcasting and get more people involved. And yeah, know, I think it's a smart thing because it's really smart. Yeah, I think people enjoy it and do it. But, uh, you know, even back to what you were talking about, you know, throughout the week, you know, I think back in the day we had one day off a month, let alone a week. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, you know, and that one day off a month, we had it circled. And unfortunately, it was usually a Sunday, so you couldn't do anything. Dry cleaning, you couldn't get done. You couldn't really get any yeah. of your errands run, and you're like, shit, you know, this this isn't working out. But Yeah, so your suits are all dirty and wrinkled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You try to do whatever you can do, you know, until yeah. you can get your family built and you get your support system and, and you get people you can trust because I'm sure you kind of went through that too, trying to pick your people and, oh, and get man. rid of the, the, I call them Klingons, the people that just attach to you to get the whatever leeches. they can from you and then, yeah, eventually fall off or just get what they can and move on. But you know, you start to build your right tribe and the people you can trust and you can rely on. And it really goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, that was, that was a difficult process for me because I didn't have that like family unit. Right. I didn't have a mom. I didn't have a dad. It was really just me trying to figure all this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had, when I got drafted, I had $7. I didn't even have a bank account. I didn't have a debit card. I didn't have any credit build, any of that stuff. So you know, it was all like this culture shock for me. So I was like, just looking for someone to help while also just like focusing all my energy on my job. Exactly. You know, so it was like, I ended up getting some of the wrong people around me and, you know, I probably missed out on a lot of opportunities. I didn't lose money, but I probably missed out on opportunity because I just was like, you know, messing around with different financial advisors and, you know, then agents were like not kind of not really putting the time into like the marketing side of it. You know, it's just the little things like that. And then, um, you know, fast forward, you know, some of the be- closest people to me, were taking advantage of me. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, refused to see it until my wife came along and was like, Hey, she showed it to me like plain and clear. Like, this is what they're doing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And that's unfortunate too. People taking advantage that way when they just do the right thing, the right thing. And in, in the long run, you know, it works it, out it, better. It works, it works out way better than, you know, getting in this litigation or bullshit or pissing match or just, you know, it, it sucks, but you know, yeah. Like you said, you're trying to play, you're trying to keep your job, not just play your job. Like, it's just like, you know, they got drafts every year. Every got year. Guys coming up and nipping at your heels and wanting your job and, you know, preseason and camps. And you're just thinking, like, you know, who do I got to take out this year to, you know, keep my job mentality, let right. alone, you know, some of the superstars that go in there and, you know, they're just like, oh, I'm good. You know, no, no pads today. It's like, fuck no, I got to go above and beyond <laughs> every day. So the coaches see it. I'm winning night. every day. Exactly. I'm competing every single day. Every day. To keep my job. Yep. And like you said, there's a draft every fucking year. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I came into the league, 
and it was probably the same for you. There was probably already somebody on the team that, that had that job. Yeah. So you had to take someone's job mm-hmm. and that's just how it goes. Yeah. So to take someone's job and then to keep it for a long time is a, is a huge accomplishment. I don't care who you are, or what sport it is. Um, because when I came into the league, there was two guys ahead of me. Um, and I, I had to took, they were both vets, like four or five year vets. Mm-hmm. And I took both of their jobs yeah. because I just was like, I will not be denied, mm-hmm. you know? And then I never forgot that. That always stuck with me and I always like, cherish that and so like a lot of guys they'll get it and then they'll kind of like back off oh yeah and then that's when and every year they drafted a guy at the d-line position to take my job Mm -hmm. every single year whether it was in the first round the second round or the third round they were Mm -hmm. always trying to find a guy to to replace me and i'm sure you know that's probably the same way in the nhl Mm -hmm. they're always trying to replace you oh yeah because they're cheaper well yeah cheaper they they don't have as much to say because they're, they're not getting cagey you know you know when you're young, you just you're, I wouldn't say young and dumb, but you're just naive to the, to the real world, mm-hmm. and you'll just run. You know, they say run through that wall, you do it. You don't think of the consequences, but when you get older, you're thinking, I'm not running through that wall. I'll <laughs> climb over it. I'll go around it. Like, why am I going through it? You know, it's just yeah. like you get older, you get wiser. But it's like the old bull and the young bull. Exactly. You know? Yep. Let's just walk down there and fuck them all. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna run down. <laughs> I'm gonna run down and tire the hell out of myself and and get one. It's like no, let's take them all, kid. Let's just, you know, mosey on down there. Uh, was it so when you got first got in the locker room as a rookie, uh, you probably you know how it is when you're a rookie, you're like fucking excited. You're like, Oh yeah, you know, butterflies you're, and you're oh. like, you know, you're butterflies, you're all happy all the time, you're just excited to be there. Yeah. Um, then the vets are all fucking miserable. <laughs> and you're like, Why are they so miserable? Mm-hmm. And then you become a vet and you're like, Oh Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand now. Yeah. I see it. Now for uh for me it was a. Uh, you probably know who I'm talking about. His name's Justin Bannon. Oh yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately he had some, uh, he, he struggled after the NFL, you know, now he's doing some time, but, um, he was always a good friend to me and always a good, a good, um, mentor. Um, and I, I just remember him, he was like, what the fuck are you so happy about? And I'm like, what are you, why are you so miserable? Exactly. You know, and then when I, because he was like 11 years in when I Uh came in, you know, and then I, he's like, listen to me, don't trust anybody. And I'm Mm. like, why? Oh damn. (laughs) I'm like, you can't trust anybody. And he's like, don't trust anybody in this building. Mm. Any of these buildings, they're all out to get you basically, you know, yeah. they're all going to do what they can to take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just was like, yeah, whatever, old man, you know? And then I saw it for myself Oh yeah. and I was like, Whoa, he was right. Yeah. You know, he was fucking right. And then mm-hmm. I was that old grumpy vet, you know, coming into work every day, a little bit grumpy yeah. and then it just got worse and worse and worse. And then until finally I was like, man, fuck this. I had enough. Yeah. Just done. Yeah. yeah you just, you just kinda, had you enough get, of this shit. Yeah. You get to that point where you just, the bullshits, you know, kind of, the glass is filled over, you know, it's spilled over. Yeah, it's and spilled you're just way like, over. you know, it's like, yeah, it's just time. And yeah. But. At this, cause, and especially with like the damage I was doing to my body, I was like, you know, I was like, man, I, my head, my head was just getting, you know, every play. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting somebody with my head every fucking yeah. play. Mm-hmm. And then it's two off, big ass offensive linemen every play. And then you got to tackle a running back. And then, you know, then you're getting, you know, friendly fire from your linebackers and your other D linemen oh, and your yeah. safeties are coming in there. And, uh, so it was just, you know, dislocated my elbow real bad in 2019 Oof. and bounced back from that. And then it ended up and I didn't get re-signed to, to Denver. So I was pissed. Um, so I went to Baltimore in like a mission mm-hmm. with, you know, and it was COVID year, 2020, no fans. So it was like practice every game. Oh God. It had to be. It was fucking worst, miserable. Eh? Yeah. Because you know how it is with the fans. They get you going. Oh, they, they hype you up. Yeah. yeah I mean, they you, get you, you going. You, you man. feed off of their energy. So yeah. yeah, there's something about it. When they have the fake fans or all the stuff and it's like, what the shit? Like, this isn't right. Yeah, this is weird. I remember yeah. the first game we were playing against Cleveland. I was in Baltimore, so we were playing against Cleveland and 
we go out there and I can hear everything they're saying over there. I could hear them in the huddle talking. I'm like, uh-huh. this is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the QB going, Hey, quiet yeah. down. Everybody. It's like, Oh, you ain't going to do that today. Yeah. So. Was, and so we, we, you know, we had this term, uh, you know, bring your own energy mm-hmm. because you had to, yeah. because that's the other thing. Like when you make a play, like in Denver, man, I would make a play. It didn't matter where I made the play. Oh yeah. Once they said my name, the whole fa- the whole stadium would just start oh, howling. Erupts, yeah. It just erupts and howls and you'd get a big sack in a game or something like they just, you know, howling. Mm-hmm. And I feed off that shit. Yeah. So now when you're playing with no fans, you make a play. It's just like, all right, let's go to the next one. Exactly. But we, we as, a, as a unit, we had a fun year also. It was the 2020, 2020 season. If you take out the COVID shit, we probably went a Super Bowl in Baltimore. Yeah. I, I really believe that because we had a tight group mm-hmm. and we had a lot of good players. You know, Calais Campbell and uh, Mark Ingram was on that team and Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a solid crew, yeah. really good offensive line. But COVID kind of – fucked it all up you know yeah. we were playing games on wednesdays and shit like this you know it was just all over the place you know quarterbacks not not playing this game or this guy's not playing that game they left me out of a game one time because i had the sniffles really just the just the sniffles and they're like well what's going on <laughs> and they knew that my wife was traveling back and forth mm-hmm. so they were like they made a big deal about that and kind of put it on her and i felt bad for her because she kind of took the hit for that but um you know when you only play 16 17 games yeah those games are important you can't miss any of them very you know, so I just, I just, we would bring our own energy. If somebody would make a play, we would hype them up. You know, we would just hype each other up. Heck yeah. But it's still like, it, it was like, man, this shit is like, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it just, it was just crazy. That, the whole COVID bullshit with the vaccines and then ugh, the fucking bullshit that they mm. need to deal with, man. It was disgusting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't playing during that either because you know, I heard everything you guys had to go through and like just constant swabs and just protocols and just. It's like, holy cow, talk about, there's enough stuff you have to deal with, let alone adding 10 more things to your daily regime, you know? So. Well, yeah, you, like you're fucking my whole routine up, man. I yeah. got to get in here. I got to come in here two hours earlier just so I can, because you'd have to come in there, wait in line, mm-hmm. get swabbed, wait for like 30 to 40 minutes, and then they would tell you if you were clear or not. Yeah. And sometimes they would have like a false negative, so you'd have to, or a false positive, so you'd yeah. have to go do it again and wait another hour oh. or another 30 minutes, and then then you could go back in. So mm-hmm. like you're showing up in a, you know, they eventually made it so we weren't even going to meetings. We were just doing everything virtually, really? which actually was kind of nice because I was just I'd just go get in the, the the deer stand, yeah, and do my meetings from the deer stand. Exactly, I killed a lot of deer out of that stand, Heck yeah, on meetings, you know. See? In Baltimore, you can it's like unlimited doe tags because they're so they're they're like rats out there, really. So you could just sling arrows all day long. Yeah. You know, it was it was fun every day but Sunday you can hunt, you know. Yeah. So it was it was really fun. That's awesome. Um, that was like the really only the positive, only positive that came out of it, you know. But um, yeah, man, it's it's retirement. Like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about like that transition out of mm-hmm. retirement because you're working with vets. Yeah. Um, and what is your foundation called again? Parker's Platoon. Parker's Platoon. Yep. Yeah. So so what is that? I think that athletes and vets kind of are very similar because we have like that high adrenaline. Uh, it's like high adrenaline and then it goes low and then it goes high and then it goes low. So like trying to stay even keel is like really, it's a tough and challenging thing you have to do every day. I think the OCD or just us being able to do stuff 10,000 times and not getting bored with it. You know, they do the same thing. So we all have similarities that way. We all like the locker room. We all like our, our, uh, our platoon and our boys and our group, you know, I mean, you build that brotherhood and you know, there's something about it. And kind of when it's done, you're just done, you know, like both of us, you get slapped in the ass and you're out of the locker room. You know, you don't have access to that anymore. You don't have access to that brotherhood and you kind of go, you kind of get lost, you know? Yeah. Uh, fortunately, you know, my family, you know, being the way they were, they were awesome. You know, it was a, 
you know, not the easiest transition with my health and everything, just trying to find answers to my questions. And, you know, it took me a good eight years to find that. And a lot of it came with just us starting our our uh, businesses and, and trying different products that we know could work that weren't, you know, you know, crazy LSD or crazy, you know, crazy drugs, but finding something that, you know, is on earth that we can utilize that isn't, isn't a synthetic or isn't, you know, been GMO'd or tweaked. And, you know, I think a lot of this stuff can really help guys transition quicker and be able to get into the real world and be able to add to it that much more, that much quicker. Cause you know, when you're just sitting at home or spinning or you don't get that itinerary and I don't know what I'm doing today. Yeah. You know, there's, there's things to do. Routine. Routine is important. Oh, it's huge. It's really important to me. Yeah. That repetition, like going to the rink and like people thought that we were at the rink for maybe two hours a day. I mean, I'd be there six, eight hours a day. You know, I'd be there six in the morning to, you know, five at night sometimes just doing my job and trying to trying to get better, right? Exactly. Yeah, trying to get just a little bit better every time you go out there, right? Yeah, you're you're, you're trying to heal something. You're trying to, you know, work on, you know, a certain part of your game that, you know, maybe you may be lacking. And so doing things like that, it's a constant evolution of, you know, trying and just, you know, figuring it out. Like I said, doing something a thousand times that day. And then eventually you got the you know, 10 to 20,000 repetitions and it just becomes second nature. Yeah. So, you know, being able to do stuff like that, but, you know, getting back to the vets and and our active duty or just the military and the sports side, we have a lot in common because of what we do. And, you know, we want to take care of each other and we want to be a good teammate and get the job done. You know, by the end of the day, you know, we wanted those two points. Yeah. You know, I would do pretty much anything I could to get that job done because we knew at the end of the year it added up and it really helped out with, you know, rankings and who you were playing and, you know, how hard it was going to be in the future. So you try to control that. Yeah. By, control what you can control, right? Exactly. And all you can control, contr- all that you really can control is how hard you work. Exactly. You know, because yeah. you can't control any of the outside bullshit that, you know, a lot, a lot of times I, I've caught myself getting caught up in that, like, oh, this guy's doing this and that guy's doing that. It's like, no, like, don't worry about that. Yeah. Just worry about what you can control, right? Because yep. you, can, you can't force anybody to do anything or you can't force a situation. Um, you know, and I'll be completely honest with you, like when we, as, since we're talking about like that transition out of, out of the prof- professional sports, you know, for me, the anxiety and the depression was like crippling. Like I, I, st- I deal with it like daily, you know, but it's just finding things. Because um, sometimes I'll just be sitting around and I'm like, man, I fucking, I just need to like, I just want to manhandle somebody. You know, like, I just want to like feel that aggression, you know, like put my hands on somebody and shed off a block and make a tackle and feel the crowd, you know, rumble mm-hmm. and feel that like vibration. Yeah. And it's just like you chase, I chased it for so long and then it's gone. And honestly, like the, you said it took eight years for you to, to kind of find it. You know, did you deal with kind of the same things? Yeah. A lot of it just really, just not really having a purpose or just trying to figure out that next step. And we, we kind of call it, you know, chapters of our life and, you know, hockey was just a chapter and now you just got to keep turning the pages and keep writing. But, you know, I think if you do good, more good comes to you. So just trying to, you know, be a good part of society. And, you know, I had the same thing where I was angry and I, my big thing was my head and just having the thumping and the pounding and the migraines and the seizures and just going through all that and just not knowing you know, why is it happening and how long is it going to happen for? And then what can I do to fix this? Like, yeah, can we, be... can we talk about this? I've had seizures before. So like, I w- I'd like to kind of hit on that. Like, mm-hmm. what was that? What, what was that like? 
a lot of it was just, you know, the pressures in my head. You know, I took a puck in the ice socket in 05 in San Jose. Uh, it was actually right before the season was starting, and it was in practice. And the thing hit me square in the ice socket, broke my orbital in two spots, <laughs> broke my nose in four spots. It actually compounded my eye, and they said it bruised my brain stem. So once that happens, it doesn't regenerate or heal. So I was dealing with that as well as the other concussions from previous fights and just getting jarred around on the ice. Just some of the hits I felt my, you know, you know, you kind of see the stars and, you know, kind of Tweeties, you know, they, like the cartoons really, you know, do it right when it comes to that. I'm sure the person who did that had a concussion at some point because it's very similar to that where I I would see the stars and I would actually see like almost, but I call it my bacteria. It felt like it was a Petri dish and I can see all these black things yeah. just just moving around my eyes. And I was like, oh my God. And then you're, you're trying to, for one, keep your job. You don't want to go on protocol or deal with any, any of that stuff. Like, you're like, no, I want to be on the bench and be ready for, for the next shift. And, like, there's just something about that. You want to do your job. And and it's, I think it's pretty powerful because, like, you could take the easy road out and be like, oh, I don't feel good. I'm not going to do this. And, but, you know, if you want to stay and you want to do your job. And, you better show up. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's just the more you've taken, like I said, when I was little, or when I was younger in my career, 20, I mean, you could have hit me with the, in the head with a two-by-four, and I would have laughed at you and just went to town. But, yeah. you know, towards the end of my career, you know, just any little thing. You get a little you know, bit gun-shy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you're just thinking elbows are flying, shoulders are going, even a body check and getting your brain, you know, bouncing against your skull. You're thinking, okay, how many more of these can I take before? I was getting them. I was starting to get them really easy, you oh, know, yeah. like things that normally wouldn't bother me i was like man i feel like nauseous what's going on exactly same same yeah just taking a hit or just uh, even in practice just doing a quick you know swinging my head around and being like oh no just moving your head quick yeah, exactly you know? it's like oh my god make you a little bit dizzy yeah but you're thinking like oh, i'm this tough guy I, I, I can i can you know get through anything and it's the one thing you can't see that messes with you the most you know yeah. like like i've always said too I, I want a big bone sticking on my arm and the guys are like oh shit you're messed up but when it, they can't see it and it's in your brain or, you know, it, it sucks to be like, no, I can't go today, boys. And you look fine, but it's just, it's the invisible disability. And you that, feel like you're letting your boys down exactly. too, you know what I mean? Because those are your brothers. Exactly. So you it know, feels like you're letting them down. And it's like, man, I just wish I could be out there. When you were dealing with um, with the brainstem issue, because I bruised my, my brainstem as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the base of my brainstem at C1. has a bad bruise in my spinal cord. Um, I just took a bad hit. That's how I was paralyzed from that. Um, and I played two weeks later Wow! and I never let that bruise heal. So I wasn't getting any fresh blood to my brain. Yeah. So did you, did you do, was it the same kind of thing where you're not getting any fresh blood up to your brain? Was it like, was it the same thing where you having hallucinations at night? Like things I, like that? I don't know if it was hallucinations, but I know a lot of my stuff was my, my septum and my breathing, you know, cause trying to breathe out of your nose, like it should be like 70% of your breathing, but I became a mouth breather, which isn't good. Right. And then all that stuff started to happen with the sleep, kind of sleep apnea and all that, and just getting dry mouth and just not getting proper sleep. And when you don't sleep proper, then your body's not healing, and then you wake up the next day feeling like shit. Yeah. So you want to get into your REM sleep. You want to be able to have your body just start to repair itself and heal itself so you wake up the next day refreshed and ready to go. But I wasn't able to do that, so there was many, many nights to where you just – the next day you wake up and you're just like, you know, what's like, what the shit's going on? Like I wake up even worse than I went to bed feeling like, yeah. it's just like, holy cow, what do I got to do to get over the, man, I the, can relate to that over the me. pinnacle, over the hill. And be like, I want to feel better. I want to do better. And I want to keep my job. And so, then, and then what are the doctors telling you? Oh, <laughs> you know, Jesus, not much. I mean, uh, 
unfortunately, like with the teams and stuff, they get you know, yes men doctors, yep. and you know it's you know I think they do just enough to keep their job. So yeah. I don't think they have your best interest out for you in the long run. And uh, basically, they just kind of put band aids on everything to be like, hey, let's just do this. And it's like, no, well, because like I always thought too is we're athletes, so we heal so much faster than the normal people because. You know, guys would get surgeries or something would happen, and a normal person, it would take them six months to come back from, and we're coming back for it in three to four weeks. And yeah. it's like, wow, we just, we're just superhuman. But it's not that. It's just them kind you're, of pushing the envelope saying, it. hey, yeah, you're good, you're good. Oh, yeah, you're 90%, which are actually probably 50, but it's just a percent. And basically, it's, like I said, mental. You know, mental is huge. If they say you're good, you're going. Yeah, you're like, you're okay, thinking, I'm good. I'm good, I'm green lit, I'm awesome. So yeah. They said I'm good, I'm good. And that's what you believe, you you know. So it's kind of crazy how that all works in. But like we're talking too, quality of life when you're done with the sport or your job, and you kind of want that as well because you're, you know, when I'm young, I mean, I would have ran through you know brick walls, but you know, like I said, now I just walk around them. I'm like, yeah, I'm smarter. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and work got, smarter, right? Exactly, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, you know, I, I always think about this when I'm when I'm climbing mountains that uh, you know just call them mountains, but they're just big ass hills, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> but the side hilling, right? Oh yeah. So side hilling is like something I didn't even really know about until I started doing it. Because to me, I'm like, I'm just going to try to get up there as fast as I can. But then you get up there and you're like, Oh shit, I'm out of water. I'm dog ass tired and I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like that working smarter. Right. And it was the same way with, with football. It was like, okay, taking on like double teams for me, you know, I was like 285 to 295 pounds when I played and I'm like 280 now. So I really was not too heavy, you know, like, you know, a lot of guys are carrying more weight than they oh, need. Yeah. So for, but for me, I was like, okay, and these double teams, sometimes I would like, when I was young, I would just like muscle through them. Right. Like forget technique. I'm just going to muscle through this. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I realized like, I don't have to like muscle through everything. Right. Like I can, I can like kind of drop a knee and throw my hip into this other guy while I control this guy. And that'll still do the job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just was like, so crazy about like not giving ground, you know, and ma- making sure I knock somebody's head, you know, make, make sure I wanted their head to like jerk back when I hit them, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then I got older and I was like, I don't need to do that every play. You know, I still, I could still handle them without doing it like a dummy, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it's probably the same way in hockey. It's like, I'm going to check everything I could possibly check, right? Like, I'm putting my body on somebody no matter what. Yeah. And any fight that I can get in, I'm getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I played. Uh, it, it was just a mentality, right? And then <laughs> and then you realize, like, I'm fucking myself up out here, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm Like, I'm the longevity isn't there because I, I was – the first four years of my career, I was so hard on my body. You know, I was I was doing a lot of things to take care of it. But I wasn't like, I wasn't, wasn't being safe on the field. You know what I mean? I wasn't, and you can't be safe out there. Mm-hmm. There's only, you can just be, you know, I, I always say, if you play pussy, you get fucked, you know? Yep. Like if you play soft out there, you're going to get hurt. Like mm-hmm. that's just going to happen. Oh yeah. You know, it's probably the same way in skating, right? If you go out there and you skate around, like trying not to get hurt, mm-hmm. I bet you get hurt. Oh yeah. Definitely. You know? So it was like, you know, if there's a pie, if there's a pile I'm diving into that pile mm-hmm. because if you get caught standing around the pile, that's when your legs get rolled up on. And that's when you get pushed over the pile and then stuff like that. You know? So I was like, I'm in every pile, no mm-hmm. matter what. Oh yeah. Um, so, so as I got older, I realized like, okay, I could still get in on this pile. I just don't have to lead with my head. Yeah. You know, I don't I can keep my head out of there. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff really helped like 
take my career a little bit longer, you know, to, for, for me, 10, for the NFL to play 10 years at the position I did yeah, is a long, huge. long time, you know? So, um, how long did you play? I played, it was about 10 years, but with the lockout and trying to think of the other year, I didn't really, I played a few games that year, but that was when I took the puck in the ice socket. So it was kind of, I call it eight plus seasons, but even doing that as an enforcer is kind of longevity because, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, the guys lasted like that because like Probert and some of those big boys back in the day, you know, they, you know, they scored and they, you know, had assists and they fought and they did everything. And then, like I said, the evolution of hockey when I broke in, you know, in kind of the late 90s was I was already on a superstar team. So I wasn't going to get 10 minutes to play a game and, and be able to showcase what I was able to do in all the other previous leagues I did it in. So you know, I kind of wish I would have had that opportunity, but maybe I wouldn't have had, you know, the Stanley Cup and I wouldn't have played with all the, you know, the great Hall of Famers that, that I played with either. So, yeah. you know, you, you always kind of wonder, but, you know, there's obviously nothing you can do about it. So don't cry over spilt milk. Just, <laughs> you know, you know, I, that's why I just try to educate kids. Or if they have questions, you know, I just try to stay as positive and give them the best advice I possibly can. Yeah, because at the at the end of the day, you can always look back, and there's always I can even do it, you know. Now I can look back and be like, man, I should have done it this way, or I should have done that, or I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have listened to this guy. And, but you can't you can't like live in regret, right? You no. have to just kind of accept it for what it is mm-hmm. and kind of move forward. Yeah, just chalk it and up as pass a life it on to somebody, and hopefully, hopefully they learn from your mistakes. Exactly, you know? that's what it's about. It's just taking care of the next generation and just supporting them and and giving them whatever they can. So you know that's. I think it's huge and you know that's what I really like about like the San Jose Sharks um, you know alumni and like the team and the management is they really have a lot of the alumni guys come out and they have them be a part of the team and if guys have questions they can go talk to the guys and there's just something about that camaraderie about talking to an old KG veteran that may give this newer guy a really some really good advice that may propel him to the next level or just help him be a better player in general so yeah I think it goes a long way to have that big brother feeling um with the teams in general so you know it just never goes away and plus it gives the alumni and the veteran guy a sense of purpose too like Mm -hmm. i'm I'm helping you know you don't have to be paid by the team you don't have to you know need a box or to to watch the games in but you know if they would just give us at least a player card or give us something to get into the arena to be able to still be a kind of a part of i think it would go a lot further for you know the alumni as well as the team you know yeah, the, see, guys the, on the, the team Broncos are pretty with new ownership now. Like they're pretty cool about you know letting me come around. That's awesome. You know, I'll just go over there every now and then, just a couple times a year. Yeah, you know, just be around the building. You yeah. know, it it makes you feel good just to kind of feel welcomed still. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of the guys that I know, a lot of the guys in that building, I still know. Yeah, you know, so I get to go, you know, see the training staff and see the. Uh, you know, the equipment guys, you know, just the guys that you got to see every single day. Exactly. And you had like a really good relationship with, because when yeah. you're some, when I was with the Broncos for eight years, you know, mm-hmm. so when you're with a team that long, yeah. you, you know, that's like your family, you exactly. know, that's the longest time I ever spent anywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I bounced around so much as a kid and then, you know, you four years, four years in high school and then four years in college. And then, you know, a lot of guys come go four years to a team and then next another four years at another team. And then, you know, then it's out, but yeah. to spend eight years in one place, that's the longest I ever been anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I developed a lot of good relationships in there. So the fact that they let me come around and they let me come in the building, I don't know if the avalanche let you do that at all. Not really. And I mean, it, you know, I think they try, but it's not like other, other organizations do. And I think a lot of the other ones do it. And I mean, 
I don't know why you couldn't take what they're doing and just replicate it because it's working. It works. But yeah, just uh, you know, just to be able to have that big brother mentality, I think it would, you know, make a huge difference. But yeah, because when I'm over there, those guys always want to come up to me and pick my brain. Exactly, and why not educate and be able to give little tools? Like I said, you know, give the put the tools in the toolbox to make them successful with. So if you can help them out, like by one little thing, like to make them that much of a better player on every play, and like it can, you know. It can take them to the next level, or it makes the team that much better, or it creates a longer, um, longer career for them. I mean, you can even, like you said, teach them smarter, not harder, you know, and and give them little snippets, and you never know where it can go. But, yeah, you know, just having the coaching staff that's there every day, and the guys get annoyed, or they're just, you know, like Charlie Brown's teacher when the coaches are talking sometimes, and the kids aren't even listening because yeah. <laughs> it's just every day you're just getting. Uh, something at you so yeah I mean, it's like constant bombardment with you know criticism and well that or video and like i'm sure like your guys's video just tape you, you can you can slow mow it and you can stop it and my sticks off the ice for a millisecond but you know that's because i'm in the middle of a stride and it's just you know really not humanly possible to always have your stick on the ice and you know they just like to pause it right there and see how are you supposed to take a pass with your stick not on the ice it's <laughs> like well yeah in, in another millisecond it is on the ice and i could have you know received the pass so just little things like that that, you know, an attaboy goes a long way, I think. It does. So it really does. Instead of never doing anything right ever, and you're just like, shit, you know, am I just totally fucked up? Or, you know, it's just nice to have an attaboy and to know you did the right thing. Yeah, and I think there's a fine line, right? It's, uh, you know, some coaches are like, they'll they'll get a guy that they love, so they can't do anything wrong. Yeah. Right? Even though, like, I remember being younger, being like, ah, yeah. You don't, you're not going to coach him on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then as I got as I got older, I had a coach named Bill Kolar. And this guy was a psycho, but I love him. We're, like, really good friends now. Um, but he coached me so hard. I mean, he would yell and scream, but every time I did something wrong, he would let me know. Mm-hmm. But you know what else he did? Every time I did something right, he would get just as fired up as I was to That's make the awesome. play. Yeah. And that was, to me, that's like, you know, not having a father growing up and not having a mother and stuff. So, like the coaches were my, where I got that kind of like, Hey, good job. You know? Mm-hmm. So I was always cert- I was always wanting my coach to like, to love me, you yeah. know, I was always looking for that love from my coaches. So to have a coach that was like hard on you, but also showed you love whenever you made a good play. Yeah. Um, you know, and he used to say all the time, he said, you guys might hate me now, but you're going to love me when you're done because you're going to appreciate how hard I coached you. And I was like, man, he, he was so right. Cause sometimes I'd be like, man, I do not feel like hearing bill today. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm re- so glad he did because he made me better every single day. Like every day, he would like he'd be like, "Hey, let's work on this. Let's work on that." And you know, he'd be like, "Oh, that's you set football back 50 years with that play. Come on." <laughs> you know, he would say crazy things. You know, we had a kid from Australia. Told him to quit and go back to Australia, start a kangaroo farm. You know, stuff like that. Like, but he would push him. But then when he made a play, he'd get just as fired up. You know, yeah. and that's just like to me, that's that's what it's about. You know, and and what you said about like that attaboy. You, everything you do is just to hear your coach tell you, "Good mm-hmm. job." Yeah. There you go. That's how you do it, Wolfie. Yeah, you know? Exactly. There you go, Park. That's how you do it. Uh-huh. That's how we want it done. Yeah. And then show all the other guys, look, this is how we want it done. Exactly. You know, and to, for me, I don't know if you guys do it in the NHL, but there's like teach tape, right? So coaches will pull up, like, there's a new technique we're learning. Here's a teach tape. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be the guy on that teach tape because I wanted to be the one doing it exactly right. You know, yeah. do it, whether it was a, foot, a footwork drill or a, a bag drill or a blocking drill, any, any of that stuff. Or a tackling drill. I wanted to be that guy on the teach tape. Yeah, definitely. you know. So, so just doing everything. You know, repetition. You know, what do they say? It's like four hundred times to make it uh, muscle memory, or four thousand. I don't know. 
4,000 yeah. times maybe. I know it's some scientific thing, but yeah. Whatever. I just say if you do it over and over again, you, <laughs> you just don't have really to think about it, it whenever you're tired. You exactly. Know? When you're tired and you can do it without thinking, that's when it's muscle memory. Yep, exactly. So just doing it over and over again. And, you know, I, I think that the avalanche should do more of bringing you guys around, you know, like, cause I think it'd do good for you and do good for them. And cause that's a lot of young guys over there. Oh, it is. And, you know, I, we really, you know, appreciate them having us out for the, uh, the float parade, uh, when they won the cup last year. And it was cool. They brought us out for that, but you know, I think it'd be awesome to be even more involved. And like I said, they don't have to pay us and just for us to be able to go around and just be a part of, and, you know, have that, that brotherhood still. And, little brotherhood and you know yeah. to be able to like I said just the little things are just having us around you know I, I loved it when Yui Krupp and the boys used to come around back in the day and, and, and the old guys that, that paved the way for us and you know I would pick their brain every time I saw them because they were there and, you can you know, always learn something yeah they lived it and they, they did it and you know like who, who better to hear it from than the horse's mouth and be like hey, what about this and they're like okay kid let me teach you so there's just something about that that really goes a long way yeah, man, I think they need to do more of that. Um, the that was the the same thing at the Super Bowl year. They brought a lot of the guys from the '96 '97 team. Yeah, that's awesome. A lot of those guys were around. You know, TD. Um, you know, John Elway's there every day, anyways. Yeah. You know, but um, just picking those guys' brains. You know, Steve Atwater and um, you know Big Al Williams and just all those guys coming around. You could just pick their brains, man. Just ask them a question. They they loved it. They oh, exactly. loved to talk to yeah. us and hang around with us. And I just saw it, and I was like, man. I was like, one day I'm going to be that guy, mm-hmm. you know? So, so, um, let's talk about like being a teammate, right? Like what, what makes a good teammate, you know, in oh, your opinion? Really being a good teammate is just doing your job, mm-hmm. uh, I think. And, and really just everybody does their job. We're successful at the end of the day. And, uh, I think that's, that's why even me breaking onto the team back in the day and having all the superstars and, and being able to flip that switch and thinking, okay, I may only play a minute tonight, but it's going to be the best hardest minute ever and I'm going to leave you know everything on the ice and that was the biggest thing was just doing my role however I could to create that room for the players and for us to get those two points because like I said that added up at the end of the year so mm-hmm. every game was important and you know we didn't oh oh this team tonight you know we, we never really took a night off even playing on the abs for all those years and many years we, we went to the cup or went to the to the playoffs and a lot of teams never make it to the playoffs for 10 years. And yeah. they're done in April, and, and they got a long summer. But, you know, we would go, you know, second, third round a lot. And, you know, it was a shorter summer. So you had to get right back into it. And the big thing, I think, with Lauren Landau back in the day, our, 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 uh, our strength coach, um, before he went to the Broncos, uh, he, he just said, reinvent yourself every year and bring something new to the table. Because if you do, then you have that much more to add. You know, you, you just – have that much more where the team go okay now you can do this so let's put you in that situation yeah. so the more just, you can do right exactly say oh i didn't know you can do this and then you get put into that scenario so it's just really being able to have all those tools to be able to go yeah i can do that i can do that i can do that so it's really just trying to excel and not get complacent in your role and your job and just always trying to do better and be better and i think that really Leading rubs by off. example right like let your work speak for it right exactly and showing up to practice and grinding every day you yep. know putting that same grind in every single day yep. i think is is really important as a teammate you know mm-hmm. and that was just something i took pride in was i was going to compete in practice every day i was going to run to the ball every play yep. you know i wasn't going to take plays off whether it was practice or a drill like i was going to go as hard as i possibly could every mm-hmm. single time i was out there yeah 
Um, and th- when you talk about Lauren, mm-hmm. like, dude, that guy He's amazing, is eh? the best, yeah. man. He is the absolute best. Like, there's not a bad, I've never, I've worked with a lot of strength coaches and, mm-hmm. you know, I usually, you know, as you spend most of your time with a strength coach yeah, because that's who you're with, you know, in the off season, that's who you're with, you know, you know, rehabbing and doing whatever, you know, you're with that guy. Mm-hmm. And Lauren, to me, was one of the best to ever do it. You know, yeah. I think that, you know, I think he got a bad rap this year. With the Broncos, they yeah. kind of tried to try to blame him for all the injuries. I'm like, dude, I've stayed always stayed healthy when I was working with him. Exactly. No, yeah, always because I mean, he does the functional. Everything is functional with him. Exactly. Like he's gonna he watches and sees what you do, and he's gonna give you exercises and workouts to make you better at that individually too. Because yeah. you may be all football, but you guys don't all do the same thing. So you individually all have different things to do to make you the best at your position. Yeah. Let me so, tell you, a quarterback and a D lineman couldn't be more different. We should never be doing the same workout. Exactly. Ever. Yeah, we should never be doing the same workout. Yeah. But that's where LL comes in and he's so good at that because the years we would work out with him, he'd have soccer players in there, football players, swimmers, fighters. Yeah. Fighters. I mean, and then hockey guys. And then so everybody was doing something different because it was specific to their sport and specific to what they needed to work on to excel to the next level. So that's what he was always really good on was the sports science and knowing what people mm. needed and giving it to us. So yeah, he's a genius, huge. man. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, I love him. He's a he's. I'm still really close with him. I don't know if you talk to him a lot or Ditto. not. But, oh yeah, all the but time. he's one of the best people you know out there. You know, he's so he's so motivational too, right? Yeah. Like he'll he's always giving you like little little coaching points, like mm-hmm. life points, you know, even, you know, when I was younger, I was a wild man, you know, and he was like, Hey man, like maybe lay off the tequila, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I probably shouldn't do that. He's like, don't say, he told me one time, he said, don't sacrifice what you want the most for what you want right now. True. And that always yeah, stuck with me. Smart. Yeah. You know, that, that's the other thing about, we talk about like great teammates and older players that kind of like had an impact on you. For me, Peyton Manning was one of those guys that just like, he would have breakfast with me almost every morning yeah. because we were in the building at the same time. He'd come and sit down and I would just like listen to him. Mm-hmm. Right. And he would just, you know, he told me something I never forgot. You know, he said some, some things that like really stuck with me, but this always really stuck with me. He said, you either get better or you get worse. He said, you never stay the same. Mm-hmm. He said, because everybody around you is either working or not working. So like, if you're just doing this and coasting and maintaining, mm-hmm somebody else is outworking you and that means you're getting worse. Yep. So it's not just, there's outside variables, you know, there's other guys that are working harder. There's a, there's a a junior in college right now who is busting his ass and he's going to ball out senior year Mm -hmm. and he might be a first round draft pick and he's coming to take your job. Mm -hmm. He's like, so you have to think that way. You have to think, am I getting better or am I getting worse? Well, it's all those scenarios or all those, those sayings too, like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. You could have all the talent in the world, but if you don't implement it or you don't try, then that person that just wants it that much more is going to take it from you. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's people, a Landau quote. Yeah. People that get complacent. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can be stagnant or you can always excel and try to get better and do better. So yeah, that was kind of always our mentality was, yeah, I want to excel and with LL saying, yeah, you know, add something new to your, your toolbox every year and just doing that and having all those really good mentors and good people, you know, in the tribe back in the day. And it doesn't just happen. You have to build it. Like you said, you mm-hmm. have to go through people that screw you over and then you cut them out and it's a life lesson. You know, it is what it is, but, you know, you find out the true people in your life that you can rely on and bounce stuff off of and, you know, isn't going to be out to the whole world. Yeah, so, and they're not out to get you, you know. No. They're not out to... And that's what I, you know, doing this podcast, that was like the the main thing I wanted to do is I didn't want to ever bring somebody on and be like, 
try to do like an I gotcha moment. Like, oh, gotcha. Gotcha to say this. Gotcha to say that. You know, it's like, to me, that's like the scummiest thing you could do to somebody. Like, because the best part about podcasting is you don't have the FCC. Mm-hmm. So we can say and talk about whatever the hell we want. So I'm not going to take advantage of somebody and be like, oh, let me see what I can get you to say, right? Yeah. Let me see if I can get you to say this or say that. No, I, I want you to, I want it to be like a real conversation where we're just talking about shit that somebody could listen to this podcast and it might, they might be like, man, I'm going through the kind of the same shit. If they can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. Exactly. You know, just even me, I feel better today because knowing that you went through some of the same shit that I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you we know? walk the same path and to know you're not alone in this world, it, it kind of gives you an attaboy too by yourself, just saying, okay, I'm not alone. And that was one of the big things when I transitioned too. And like I said, it took many years and my family being being by my side and sticking with me through all my my shitty days, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that shows, you know, true commitment too. You know, my son DJ and wife, uh, Francesca, you know, being there for me, they, they've seen me at my worst. And, yeah. You know, now we want to do better and I want them to see me at my best. So, you know, there's things to strive for and things to live for and, and things that we still want to accomplish. So, yeah. You know, there's there's lots of life after after sports, so you know you want to be able to enjoy it too. So, how old were you when you retired? Oh God, I'm a thirty, I believe. Yeah, I think it was about thirty. I think I played from a, I broke in when I was twenty. So yeah, it was about ten years at thirty when I retired. And yeah, like I said, it wasn't the greatest retirement. And unfortunately, you know, not everybody gets to go out wearing four jerseys that game. You know, using fifty sticks that game and. You know, when we're done, we're just done, and nobody knows where we went. And it's like, you know, what happened to that guy? You know, there wasn't a retirement night, and you didn't get your jersey raised into the into the state and into the rafters. So yeah. it's just kind of once guys are gone, they're gone, and people are like, hey, where did so and so go? And it's just kind of you're just gone. So yeah, it's it's yeah, a little man, bit different, a little bit hard, but you know, that's where I feel super blessed with the Broncos because, you know, I was, I was in Baltimore for those two years and I hated the way that I went out. Like yeah. I just hated it going out with an injury and mm-hmm. kind of being for like I went, I left on my own. I could have kept playing probably, but I would have just fucked myself up even worse. Exactly. So I was like, you know what, man, it's time to be done. And then I contacted, you know, some of the guys at the Broncos that I know and I was like, Hey man, I'd love to retire a Bronco. And they're like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make it happen. Yeah. And dude, they treated me like, you know, they gave me a, a whole day to come out to training camp and, um, honored me at training camp, and then they, um, the second game of the season, they brought me out on the state on the field right before the game started, That's and uh, and did like a whole you know, you know send send off, and that just to me was like you know, I didn't I didn't like tear up in a moment, but afterwards I was like man that was you know. Even when I think about it now, I'm like, man, that's special because not everybody gets that. That's deep. It is. I mean, to have that many people appreciate what you did and just, you know, you're not really forgotten. And, you know, I didn't really do it to be remembered forever. I just did it to be a good teammate and to get the job done. You know, I've always been on teams. The team mentality is kind of all I really know. So it's kind of like that's why in the real world, you know, you're you're trying to build a team and you're almost like a GM. You got to like fire people and you got to try to hire people and you're just trying to build like your network of people around you once you're done to who can I trust, who can I bounce stuff off of and you know, who's not going to screw me over. Yeah. It's kind of the main thing. And that's, too. and that's hard, man. That yeah. is hard. It is difficult because especially if people know what you went through and what you've gone through and how you got to where you're at, you think they would like respect that, you know, and be like, man, I'm, I would never take advantage of this guy. Yeah. That's not the case. No, it's almost like they just see you almost like a little weak, and they're like, what else can I get off this guy before mm. he gets wise enough or doesn't have a concussion or, or his, his brain does get fixed enough where he's smart enough to go, hmm, 
you know, this isn't right. Yeah. Where like in the locker room, like your brothers are your brothers and like you can trust them. Like here's 10 grand, hold on to this for me. Where you give 10 grand to someone else. It's like, where's my 10 grand? It's like, well, <laughs> it's like when exactly. it starts out that way, you're like, son of a, that 10 grand's gone. Yeah. It's so, gone. Might yeah. as well write that one off. Exactly. It's over. Yeah. So you know, and that's, that's like, you know, putting a team together, man. Like, you know, my wife is like such a rock star on with this shit, you know, like she, she runs the household. Like when it comes to like the bills and all the shit that I just like am not even really capable of fucking, you know, being good at doing like, yeah, I could do it, but it's going to be a fucking mess. Oh yeah. The tax, when tax season comes oh, around, like, luck. Oh fuck, I'll be, a, I'll be in jail. Mm-hmm. I'll be in jail. But like, no, I'm not paying it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know, like, that's stupid. Yeah. yeah that's why stupid. Am I doing I'm not that? paying that. Yeah. You know, but you know, she just like fucking holds it down for me, man. Like mm-hmm. she, and for our family in general, like she, and she, you know, all, on top of that, she's like a great teammate because she holds me accountable. Oh, ditto. Right. Oh, so yeah. like, I don't get away with any of that bullshit. Like mm-hmm. there is no like, you know, feeling sorry for myself. There is no, oh, I don't feel like it today. It's like, no, get your ass up. You know, even when I was playing, there was times where I would wake up in the morning and I would just fucking roll out of my bed and lay on the ground and mm-hmm. crawl. And I would like lay in a ball, you know, cause I'm just like, fuck it. Everything fucking hurts. Like I can't mm-hmm. even move. Like, yeah. and she would just be like, get your ass up, get in the shower and get to work. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, fuck. All right, let's yeah. go. You know, that's, that's you know, it, and you just need that little push sometimes. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like as big and strong and as tough as we are, mm-hmm. we still like every, every great man has a great woman mm-hmm. behind, by, him. behind him or exactly. by his side. Yep. Exactly. And that's just like, that's the realest thing, man. Like the most important decision I ever made was who I married, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, you know, from, from investments to, um, to just, like she, you know, my wife actually made, uh, she netted a million dollars this year, Wow, which is like fucking crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was all off of investments that like were her idea, these real estate deals that she was like, I know this is going to work out. Like, let me do it. And I'm like, all right, go, go yeah, ahead. Run with it. And she mm-hmm. fucking did it, you know? And then she's like already on the next deal and already on the next, you know, she helped set all this shit up, you know, That's like awesome. even the podcast, she was like, I'm, you know, she fucking supports me and whatever I'm doing, yeah. you know? And, uh, sacrifices a lot of times what she wants to do so that I can chase my dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, you know, the ultimate sacrifice, right? Yeah. You know, and that's what life is about. And that's how success is built is by sacrificing, uh, you know, just to make it to the league. You know, I had to, you know, going through college, there's a lot of times where my other teammates were there out fucking partying. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, that sounds like a good fucking time. I wish I was partying right now. Yep. But then it's like, no, I got to go. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to get an extra workout in or I'm going to do this and, you know, what can I do to outwork the next guy? Yep. You know, and, and that's just, I take that same mentality now. You know, I just, you know, I wake up and I fucking bust my ass in the weight room just to like get that, um, that little endorphin drop in the morning, you know, and then, you know, do some ice baths and stuff like that, you know. And to me, it's just like that physical grind doing shit you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you feel better afterwards exactly, because you did something hard, right? Yep. You did something that most people aren't going to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I think that's what, what it's about, man. And, uh, you know, I love what you got going on now with the taboo and with the Parker's, pl- uh, Parker's platoon, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I almost butchered that. <laughs> but it's just awesome how you can get those two things to work together, man. Like anything I could do to help you support that, I'm down with. I appreciate um, it, brother. 
And uh, I think we need to get out in the woods together, brother. Definitely. No, you got to come up to Grand County. And yeah. We gotta go even for some in, hikes. Uh, do you fly fish too? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love fly fishing. Yeah. So maybe we could go do, go do a little fly fishing. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go throw some droppers on, and uh, yeah, we'll go catch some nice brownies up there. Yeah, man, rip yeah. some lips. It'll yeah, be yeah. Fun. That'll be a blast. And uh, well, I know too. We have uh, the one thing we didn't talk about today is the Ice Wars International. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's I want to talk about that. Yeah, it's a new production. Lane, coming pull up. that shit up because yeah. this is badass. Uh huh. Look at this. Yeah, it's basically you know the role I did back in the day, and uh, you know this is a, a sanctioned uh, promotion. <laughs> this is that, awesome. Yeah. But this gives guys that did my role something to do after they're done as well. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not, uh, you know, pushing the whole violence, but, you know, fighting's fighting. And, you know, like we were talking too, there's, you know, slapping contests these days and all sorts of stuff. Oh, and yeah. Really, this just... The bare-knuckle boxing. Have you seen that oh, shit? Oh, yeah, yeah. The BKG. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, Kamozi and all the boys in there that we watch do all that yeah. stuff. And, you know, it's just cool to have... Kamozi's good at it, dude. Oh, yeah. He said, you know why? Because it's just a fucking street fight. Exactly. And he's like, I'm just going in there and I'm attacking. Yeah. Well, that's what's cool about this, too. You know, they, they have gorilla mitts of the four-ounce gloves on there. And, uh, um, you know, it just gives the guys an opportunity when they're done to have something to do and, and something to, to bounce back onto, uh, you know, depending on if their career gets cut short for any kind of reason. But, uh, you know, to having the doctors and having it all sanctioned and you know, just doing it the right way, I think, you know, gives the guys more opportunity. And there's the a, and there's an event coming up real soon in Cheyenne. Yeah. Right? In Cheyenne. When yeah. is that? It'd be July 15th. Um, where is it? The outlaw saloon, outlaw yeah. saloon, outlaw saloon, in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So yeah, everybody come out and check it out. We're going to be up there, uh, probably a few days prior doing some promotional stuff. It'd be great to see everybody. Uh, it'd be great to see all the I'm service men and women up there. And, uh, yeah, we got uh, the the Air Force Base up there too, so we gotta get everybody out and have a good time, good night, good event, good weekend, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Even for for guys that this would be great for guys that maybe just like didn't make it, you know? Exactly. But they fucking loved being being that guy that go out there and kick someone's ass. You exactly know? that, or we're looking to people like even if they're MMA fighters or maybe they've never skated ever, you know, give it a try. It's you know, something it's just, new. It's something new. It's something fun, and it's just you know. Gives gives uh gives people a, a bigger opportunity to. How do they score it? So how do you win? Is like it just the, judging, the first one to fall? Uh, well, fall like like it's actual like either either connecting and you know, kind of goes points based off of that and um, basically just you know you know throwing punches missing throwing connecting um, just the aggressive side um, you know possible even takedown but it's just you can kind of feel and see who's the the dominant fighter in that fight so. Basically, kind of that's how it's scored yeah. as of now. But, uh, you know, as it evolves and as it grows, um, you know, getting the full point system going and, and, and everything. But, I mean, you kind of know when you're in a hockey fight if you won or lost. So <laughs> it's not like it's a secret. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at some guy and he's just bloodied and battered and the other guy's, you know, not one mark on his face. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder who won. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's a cool thing. This and is pretty cool, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this, and this is a, it's something new, man. It, yeah. And like you said, like if that slap boxing t- has taken off like it has, yeah, there's no way that the. And are you guys using the uh, synthetic ice? Uh, we are. Uh, That's smart as of now, but it's just you know easy. We call it the uh, ice box. Well, it's an easy setup, right? I mean, you oh, can fit is. all this in the back of a, you know, in the back of a trailer. Oh, that and plus, you know, it's actually come a long way too, and. Um, you know, I know a lot of the guys that utilize this stuff too, and 
you know, it's not like ice is just the easiest thing to make. I mean, unless, you know, up in Col- up, up where we live, you know, we have it every winter on the ponds. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, you got to have chillers and all the crazy shit, you know, when it comes to that. But, you know, the, I know the, the guys really enjoy it. And I've been on the ice, too, and it's actually really similar to it. So, you know, the only thing is not you don't have the, the coolness coming off of it, basically. So... This but, looks awesome, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this. This is going to be fun. No, we're excited for it and, uh, you know, seeing how it grows. And and how many fights will you guys do in one night? Um, how many would – about 11. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so doing that and then doing some uh, promotional stuff throughout the week and, uh, you know, just kind of leading up to the fights and, and really just, you know, getting people involved and learning the fighters and, and like I said, just – Growing, uh, growing day by day. Hell, so. people watch little robots fight, man. Like they'll, they'll watch this shit. Exactly. They'll yeah. watch it. Yeah. People like to see violence. They just like it, you know. Yeah. They like to see violence, and this is like controlled violence. At, at you know, they got fucking pads on and gear and a helmet and shit and exactly and gloves. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you got lids and you got leather straps. I mean, most of the stuff stays on. You know, ninety nine percent of the time now. So, you know, it's just you know, yeah, little by little, Outlaw Saloon. There it is. Good old Cheyenne, Wyoming. So it'd be great to see everybody July 15th or, you know, that weekend. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun up there. So come yeah. one, come all. I'm going to be there. Awesome, it's brother. It's going to be badass. Hell yeah. Well, thank you, brother. I really appreciate you coming. Thanks, brother. Wrap Thanks. this up, man. This is uh, episode one of Wolf Untamed. One of many. And that's a wrap. Yeah, bud. <laughs>